0: This is Guns N' Butter.
1: People are sufficiently initiated that we actually have the status almost of Masonic initiates and that we've been taken through a process where now... We don't really have a place to run psychologically because the fact of the shadow government is right in front of us. Some people call it the deep state, but that's largely a reference to an unaccountable bureaucracy, whereas the cryptocracy or the shadow side of the government is much more uh, entailed and detailed and occultic than simply a bureaucracy which is out of control.
0: I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Michael Hoffman. Today's show, Gateway 21 and the Occult Imperium. Michael Hoffman is an independent scholar, New York native, and former reporter for the New York Bureau of the Associated Press. He studied under Faz Abu-Jabir at the State University of New York at Oswego. He is the author of 10 books, including Secret Societies in Psychological Warfare, published in April 2001, The Occult Renaissance Church of Rome, and usury in Christendom, the mortal sin that was and now is not. His most recent book is Twilight Language, the subject of today's interview. Good morning, Michael Hoffman. Welcome back.
1: Good morning, Bonnie. It's good to be here.
0: In our first interview on your new book, Twilight Language, we reviewed the history of Freemasonry, the master builder's competition with the natural world, the role of the Jesuits in Freemasonry, the nature of rule by cryptocracy, and the alchemical processing of humanity. We reviewed the revelation of the method, the meaning of twilight language, and the coming transition from virtual reality to the metaverse. You analyzed these mostly unknown concepts within their historical context, looking at the occult imperium over the ages. You write about, quote, a compelling projection of a supposedly inevitable future of machine tyranny and dystopian darkness without end. This certainly does seem like what we are experiencing in terms of the plans of the powers that be. You write about dead matter, What is dead matter, or the reign of dead matter, and its supposed inevitability? You write that the reign of dead matter is arriving on schedule.
1: Well, all of this processing, all of these ruses, the the Invisible Empire set up, the Twilight language, the symbol manipulation, ritual murder, black masses, which are reported as serial murder, They're collectively broadcast as mundane current events and crime beat news. And it's all done under the shepherding by spirits that, as Charlie Lutz informed me many years ago in Santa Monica, California, uh, when I was hanging around him, have never been born and never will be born. They hate and envy human life and um, and through their agents on Earth have worked for the coming of the robotics, the coming of the rule or reign, if you will, of dead matter. And so they've used secrets and the keeping of secrets to empower this network. And their secrets have been kept for thousands of years. That was part of the charm of their recruitment. But now as we enter this terminal phase of of century 21, It's freighted with, as you alluded to, this inevitabilism with which they like to invest everything they conspire to do to tell us, well, it's inevitable. That's their predictive programming. So consequently, they call this era of ours must be, connoting that this is the terminal age that had to be and that that it had to spring to life. By this extraordinary situation, again, of revelation of the method, which is to say the making manifest of what is hidden so that the powers, the pattern of keeping secrets is now broken and now they are revealed. So the secrets are being revealed because, as I think we spoke last time, humanity has reached the stage where these formerly clandestine truths can be revealed. The truth in century 21 is told But there's no the truth or consequences factor is no longer in play. So I mentioned truth or consequences because, as you know, a good part of my thought is along lines of space and time. So when they killed JFK, they they did some of the planning uh, for that murder in the town of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. And as residents of that state know, its uh, other name is the Land of Enchantment, which I find intriguing. And it's a little, Truth or Consequences, is a little dusty desert town. Uh, But they went there as a ceremonial acknowledgement of the high stakes gamble that they are engaged in because they're nothing if they're not risk takers. So my point is, is that in 1963, Americans were relatively free of the processing compared to us in 2021. And those Americans back then would have hanged the government officials and mafia bosses responsible for JFK's assassination if the perpetrators had been identified, caught, and brought to trial. But in 2021, what I call the blackjack age, because it's this gamble, it's this game of hazard, as gambling used to be known, the game of 21, It's a 2001 odyssey, supercharged on September 11th, 2001. And so now, psychologically, spiritually, alchemically, the truth can be told about some of the darkest secrets, and there are no consequences. The cryptocracy itself reveals the secrets. Therefore, the truth or consequences factor, uh, it's been put into suspended animation Due to the time in which we dwell, because, as I've often said, time relations among events are soon to be first constituted by the specific physical relations obtaining between them. In other words, in the once and future Camelot, time is influenced by space, specifically um, the ceremonies and events that occur in significant places on the checkerboard, such as the 33rd degree parallel, which has become fairly well known, and the 42nd degree line of north parallel latitude, which I bring out in my book Twilight Language. So um, I'll leave it there except for saying that, um, I ask a question here, and it's kind of anomalous and paradoxical. Who has been the conduit for the release of many of these heretofore heavily concealed secrets And I guess it's me uh, because in my book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, that came out in 2001 in Twilight Language, published this year, I wrote those books. I revealed those secrets. Now, am I part of the cryptocracy? Of course not. But what I'm trying to point out is the facility with which they can use anyone and anything as part of this alchemical stream of processing, unless... The people who read me and listen to me who have the free will to act against the inevitabilism to prove that these things are not inevitable and they can be as unprocessed as people in 1963 were who had to have the truth concealed from them lest they prosecute and punish the perpetrators of these occult crimes. So it's a very interesting situation that we're in now.
0: You write that before the events of 2001, that the cryptocracy's last great climax in the management of Masonic progression, the JFK assassination, that there is a sub-Rosa shadow side to both the events of September 11th and the assassination of the president, that the American people were forced to confront a scary alternative reality of a shadow government over which they had neither control or knowledge. What is the psychological effect on people of this sub-Rosa alternative reality?
1: Well, I think it used to be largely unknown, and the mask was taken off in 1963 because people started meditating on the idea, hmm, Uh, The President of the United States is killed in cold blood uh, just after high noon in broad daylight. And uh, the Secret Service, the FBI, and the various intelligence agencies sworn to protect him did nothing, uh, ostensibly, to actually enact that. And all of a sudden, despite the fact that Dan Rather and CBS News and the rest of the talking heads and all the news that's fit to print at the New York Times were all insisting that. Uh, one lone assassin and one very talented rifle bullet were responsible, people became more and more aware of this shadow side. In other words, this alternative, which I refer to as a shadow, not just an alternative movement uh, for the truth. And a lot of the uh, the truth movement, uh, which continues to work to this day on trying to unravel the conspiracy, wasn't even present in late 1963 or early 1964. It's rather like It doesn't require the mediation of organizations or journalists uh, because no one should actually tell us what we've seen from the evidence of our own eyes. For example, in 9-11, we're told that uh, the uh, Arab terrorists crashed their jets into the Twin Towers and brought those towers down. The first time in history that steel uh, structures of that size were brought down by uh, burning airplane fuel, if you want to believe it. What I tend to believe is the evidence of my own eyes. Before the 9-11 truth movement even arose, most of us watched the towers coming down exactly as we've seen newsreels and other footage of old dilapidated buildings being razed as a result of controlled demolition. So we don't need experts and authorities to come in and mediate between the evidence of our own eyes and the facts. So that shadow side in late 1963, early 1964, was was there, was present to everyone who was alert enough to see it. And then, uh, as a process of uh, the programming that we've all experienced, now I think there's very few who would vouchsafe to deny the shadow government. It's so overwhelmingly obvious. Uh, 9-11 is part of that, the assassinations that followed JFKs, his brother Bobby uh, uh, with Sirhan Sirhan, a scapegoat, uh, when it was Thane Eugene Cesar, uh, to the best of our knowledge, who actually fired the shot that killed uh, RFK. And Bobby Kennedy Jr. has, among, uh, alone, largely, among the Kennedy family, has had the uh, testicular fortitude to come forward and pretty much suggest that very strongly, including in communications to the assassin who, who died uh, fairly recently. And I included in my book, Twilight Language, Kennedy Jr. statement about uh, Cesar and how there never really was a police investigation of his father's assassination. So the aggregate of these facts accumulated over the years and we're now in the position where people, as I say in the book, people are sufficiently initiated that we actually have the status almost of Masonic initiates and that we've been taken through a process where now We don't really have a place to run psychologically because the fact of the shadow government is right in front of us. Some people call it the deep state, but that's largely a reference to an unaccountable bureaucracy, whereas the cryptocracy or the shadow side of the government is much more uh, entailed and detailed and occultic than simply a bureaucracy which is out of control.
0: I'm speaking with independent scholar, author, and researcher Michael Hoffman. Today's show... Gateway 21 in the Occult Imperium. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. A listener to our first interview on Twilight Language wanted to know about the Masonic symbolism in Dealey Plaza, the historic Masonic center of Dallas that you referenced. Could you talk about Masonic symbolism in the Kennedy assassination?
1: Well, it's interesting that um, where President Kennedy was shot, it forms a trident. There's three streets. One of them, the most prominent, is Bloody Elm Street, which has a long frontier, wild west history of uh, murders and uh, bad things happening. And then you also have um, the Kennedy assassination is between the 32nd and 33rd degree lines of north parallel latitude. You travel further west on that. You come to truth or consequences on the same parallel uh, traveling also is the Trinity site, uh, the site of the creation destruction of primordial matter at the head of the Hornada del Muerto, uh, where the first atomic bomb was detonated. But specifically to Dallas, it's interesting that along with these other uh, Masonic uh, archetypes that were there, such as, for example, the Three Unworthy Assassins, uh, which is a big part of Freemasonry, related to the alleged killers of the architect of the Temple of Solomon. And here you had those so-called bums or hobos. And a lot of the uh, movement dedicated to getting to the truth about the Kennedy assassination has spent a lot of time trying to identify who those three hobos are. And none of them have been satisfactorily uh, identified as far as I'm concerned, although I certainly uh, approve of the attempt to identify them. But what James Shelby Downard, my mentor and I, and others uh, who were colleagues of Shelby, uh, were interested in was just the sheer Masonic image of these three hobos, or in Masonic parlance, unworthy craftsmen appearing there. And that began for us a peregrination into uh, the Masonic symbolism there. Dealey Plaza is the site of the first Masonic lodge in Texas. Texas has a very strong Masonic history. I'll give you an example. Uh, Recently, there's been a great deal of uh, interest focused on the Alamo and uh, the nascent rising of the Texas Republic before it was incorporated into the United States and the struggle between Sam Houston and Santa Ana, and the other principals at the Alamo. Of course, Sam Houston wasn't there, but Santa Ana was uh, commanding the forces there. Well, uh, it's been a conundrum of history as to why Santa Ana wasn't executed when he was finally seized by the forces of Sam Houston, who rightly or wrongly were infuriated about the taking of the Alamo. Well, the reason for that is, and I've seldom seen this this fact mentioned, just as I seldom see the fact that uh, Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormon religion or Latter day Saints Church, uh, was assassinated by a Masonic mob uh, at the, uh, the Carthage, uh, Illinois uh, jail. And so what you have here is Santa Ana's a Freemason, Sam Houston's a Freemason, a few signals were passed, uh, some articulation of passwords, and what do you know? Santa Ana is spared the fate that most of those uh, rage-filled Texans certainly wanted to inflict upon him, and many would say justly so because of the massacre there. So these are the hidden sides of the state of Texas, and I think that a a moral pariah like Lyndon Johnson coming out of there and remaining popular, as you recall, Bonnie, uh, had President Kennedy not been assassinated, Life magazine was preparing an extensive investigative article that would have sank Johnson's uh, vice presidency. That was supposed to come out in the new year of 1964, and they killed it when Johnson was appointed president uh, after the assassination, perhaps because they knew of the um, well-documented fact that Johnson had his own assassins. He had personal uh, hitmen working for him in the course of his uh, career of political corruption. So, yes, those things, those things are factors there. And for those who have read Mr. Downard's um, uh, study, which I assisted him with, King Kill 33, the facts about the uh, Masonic assassination of President Kennedy are certainly there, largely overlooked by almost all other researchers into it. And I think that's unfortunate.
0: What is sorcery? And does it have to do with imprinting events throughout time? Could you explain sorcery?
1: Well, you know, I hesitate to use sorcery because it connotes the word witchcraft, and then people think that we're headed into a new inquisition or a witch hunt or uh, that, that our research is based in superstition and all the things that the Enlightenment has tried to escape over the years. And yet, James Shelby Downard referred to the FBI, for example, as having agents who were involved in that practice sorcery and uh, which he had personal knowledge of because his uh, wife, uh, Ann Whitwer, who was actually taken by the FBI, this is how Mr. Downard largely got started on his path of investigating first the FBI and then the occult in general for a series of, um, I guess you would call them great horror rituals uh, in La Jolla, California, in these uh, little lodges where J. Edgar Hoover would um, situate himself during the winter. Hoover, uh, the head of the FBI, had a gambling addiction, and he was also an associate of various mobsters, including Clint Murchison, who comped him for his stays at Murchison's hotels there in Southern California – And also mobsters who let him win at the racetrack. Meanwhile, in some of the um, small houses that were outside the hotel, the FBI, who were allegedly there to guard Hoover on his extended vacations, along with his uh, friend and alleged uh, lover, uh, Clyde Tolson, were the... um, were rituals related to the great whore, um, the Scarlet Woman, as it's known. Now, I have to remind your listeners that I don't believe in the efficacy of these things. I, I don't believe that molesting some woman, targeting her for uh, whoredom or prostitution or whatever you wish to call it, and then imposing various occult rituals on her is anything that actually has efficacy on anything I can understand, but this is what they believe. We're dealing with a psychosis. If you're a psychiatrist because you investigate pathologies, it doesn't mean that you're a believer in in what the pathological person uh, is practicing or whatever they're contemplating. It's the same thing here. I have to report these things because I believe they actually happened. And so Mr. Downard referred to that Action with his former wife or estranged wife at the time as sorcery. I'll give you another example. He followed uh, the uh, cult who had her in the car up to Mount Palomar, which is also on the 33rd degree line. And there, when the telescope was turned on Saturn, and there's a viewing booth there at Mount Palomar, the rays of Saturn, she was placed where she would be inundated with the rays coming from the star system, Saturn, and then uh, for whatever crazy reasons, these occultists believe that she was greatly enhanced by that, her power or magnetism or whatever. And as you know, Robert K.G. Temple wrote a book, uh, The Sirius Mystery, and there's been a great deal of attention on the star system, Sirius, and uh, its role in the legends of, for example, Freemasonry, where uh, the head of the most powerful... Masonic body in the world, the Scottish Rite of Southern jurisdiction, General Albert Pike. And by the way, Pike is largely regarded as a twilight language, significant word. In his book, Morals and Dogma, which was handed out to uh, Freemasons at large in the 19th century, he mentions that blazing star, as he calls it, that star Sirius, which is of primal importance to Freemasonry and in the Western uh, secret society. So, I, I'm using sorcery because Shelby did that term. I, you know I prefer the phrase occult rituals. But sorcery is, of course what we see happening in the GMO world, in the world of artificial intelligence, digitalization, robotization, which is actually dead matter. And that is taking unnatural means to acquire power on earth. In other words, for example, I was once out in Maui on an organic farm. And uh, the farmer there was clipping some bushes. And I wanted a direct common sense answer to uh, the Monsanto and other types of arguments put forth that there's nothing wrong with GMOs because mankind has always tampered with nature with selective breeding and hybridization and things like that. And that farmer there on Maui uh, it was near Hana, for those who are familiar with Maui. He said to me, he said, look. He said a genetically modified organism could never appear in nature. It has to be artificially engineered, whereas selective breeding, hybridization, those are all things that, that nature has to be part of it. They're not stepping outside of nature. They may be tormenting or torturing nature a little bit, but they're still grounded in nature. And so you could say that Genetically modified organisms uh, and this transhumanism, where the genes of a spider are transplanted into a goat so that the spider milk can be spun and be used for a very strong type of wire. Uh, all of these things would have been recognized by the medieval mind, which is much traduced by people today as a fount of ignorance and superstition. Actually, I think they had, in some cases, being close to the earth, had a higher awareness. To the medieval mind, they would recognize that as sorcery. So I'm not afraid to use the word.
0: What is the waking group mind? And does magnetism play a role in programming the group mind?
1: Well, the group mind is present whenever uh, all of these 30 or 40 or 100 million people are watching a Super Bowl or some type of event like that. They're all watching the same thing. They're all wired into the same event, and that's forming a group mind. And actually, pre-internet, it might be a little bit uh, difficult to understand, but now we have this data hive known as the internet, and then there are more spinoffs that are going to be even more problematic, as we discussed last time with the metaverse and virtual reality. But uh, the data hive creates a group mind where people are all focused on one Twitter feed or one Instagram feed. But it's wherever a collective mass, and it certainly predates even the modern world, is focused on one thing. But in the modern world, because of our technology, it's much easier to manipulate that group mind, which becomes a kind of organism, And to the extent that Anton Mesmer, one of the pioneers of hypnosis, spoke about this rapport, this magnetic rapport that the human body radiates, and then that human body in conjunction forms a gigantic rapport. And the question is whether or not people are able to tap into that energy, and I believe they are. Mick Jagger once was asked, which is better, uh, having 75,000 minds focused on you, adoring you? in a stadium or sex. And his answer allegedly was that sometimes the focus of that mind uh, is uh, more pleasurable. I know that I once gave a speech in front of 4,000 people and uh, I'd never addressed a crowd larger than 800 prior to that. And I actually felt that I was getting a wave of positive energy from that crowd that I could actually feel inside of my organism. And so the question is, can these things be tapped into? Can they be farmed? Can they be vampirized uh, on the negative side? I mean, there's there's good uses of it and there's negative uses of it. And and that's the question I think that we have been farmed in that particular way and manipulated because uh, you look at the advertising agencies that pay so much for 60 seconds of Super Bowl commercial time, uh, let's face it, they're going to use everything they can in terms of twilight language, subliminals, uh, to sell us on these things. And that used to be talked about more. Wilson Brian Key was a um, man who traveled the country. I actually saw him in New York at a college there. And he had a slideshow demonstrating the subliminals that were in magazine ads and television commercials. And, and the uh, college kids responded very well to that. We don't hear as much about it, but it's certainly in play. And it's part of the manipulation of this collective group mind, absolutely. And I think it's also why we've been dumbed down and bestialized to the extent that we have. It hasn't largely been utilized by people who want to present a positive, life-affirming, godly message of the divine. It's much more used for the commercialization and the bestialization of humanity as we devolve into this uh, negrito. N-I-G-R-E-D-O level of alchemy, uh, which is dedicated to the uh, bestialization and dehumanization of humanity. And this is all part of it, in, in my view. I'm speaking
0: with independent scholar, author, and researcher Michael Hoffman. Today's show, Gateway 21 in the Occult Imperium. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. A friend of mine who liked to figure out what was really going on used to say, well, it fits the pattern, doesn't it? What role does pattern detection, be it conscious or subconscious, play in the alchemical processing of the group mind?
1: That's a very good question. I think that was Mr. James Shelby Downard's, perhaps his uh, greatest talent, was pattern detection. Um, I remember once that uh, he had photos and uh, documents about a motorcycle game that came into uh, town where he was living. Um, I believe it was in the desert southwest at that time. And um, I I looked at the photos and I looked at some of the documents. just seemed to me like a mundane motorcycle gang that rolled into town, hooligans and hellraisers and things like that. And he actually detected a pattern in the way they rode their motorcycles into the town, how they were being directed in terms of uh, the leaders of the gang. And so that's a that's a very refined ability. And under the tutelage of Mr. Downard, I've sometimes been able to do that myself in terms of linking, uh, for example, in the Son of Sam case, uh, where David Berkowitz was the lone nut scapegoat for that one. Now, when I say scapegoat, I qualify it by stating that he uh, did commit some of the murders and, and did fire, uh, the, that bulldog 44 and some of them, but not all of them. And so when, uh, a person who, who was claiming to be David Berkowitz, the son of Sam, actually the letter to Jimmy Breslin wasn't signed Berkowitz cause he wasn't apprehended yet. But since the media, uh, created a monopolistic relationship between Berkowitz and the son of Sam murders later on, then The authorship was assigned to him, but Berkowitz is semi-literate and could never have written the letter, uh, the eloquent letter, hauntingly eloquent letter to Jimmy Breslin. In that letter, uh, the son of Sam signs himself Wicked King Wicker. Wicker is a key word in twilight language. And then also uh, uh, John Wheaties, Rapist and Suffocator of Young Girls. Well, at first I was interested in the agrarian fertility uh, possibilities of this Wheaties symbol, but later on I found out that it was an, a reference to an actual person, one of the Son of Sam conspirators, John Wheat Carr was his actual name. However, no one uh, among the Son of Sam victims was raped or murdered, and so I had to make a connection between that and a case I investigated as an associate press reporter when I worked for AP uh, in New York, and that was the um, The killing of uh, four girls in Rochester, New York, a symbol-laden killing that was called the double initial murders, and uh, they were raped and suffocated. And uh, the connections there, uh, their pieces of their clothing were left on a tree, which reminded me, if you're familiar with the ancient occult sacrifices, of the Tree of Tatters, quite often Uh, the clothing of a person sacrificed, uh, especially in the scapegoat rituals of ancient Greece, their clothing would be shredded and would be applied to a tree. So you had this tree of tatters phenomenon. So looking at those things, looking at the world, whether it's criminology, which is my beat, or whether it's looking at a sunset or a flower, many of us have lost the ability to see the wonder of things and, and not to be circumscribed by the narrow perimeters that are imposed on us, uh, whether we aspire to be poets or whether we aspire to bring occult criminals uh, to justice. It's all, you know, part of the same uh, circle. And as Charles Hoy Fort uh, said, uh, and I am an adherent of the Fortean epistemology, you measure a circle beginning anywhere. And so much of what assails us in modern society is corrupt measurement. And if you don't have the freest and most open measurement, you're not going to get the right answers. You're you're never going to be able to even reach them because you're not asking the correct questions. And so in these cases, pattern detection is linked to measurement and applying the widest possible measurement to whatever scenario there is. And again, in this revelation of the method era now, in the 21st century, the blackjack era more and more of us are enamored of alternatives and we understand these things. These are a given. And yet, what are we doing with this knowledge? That's my point. We're very close to mass death. And whenever you're close to death, your awareness is very high. Uh, And so we're very close to that symbolically and in this time of era. And yet I don't see an awakening to the extent that we should have in order to to heal the earth, to heal our government, to heal our nation the way we should. Instead, I see, with some honorable exceptions, an eerie indifference. And that that to me is a marker of this alchemical distillation of people down to a subhuman factor, which we talked about with the metaverse and virtual reality and people possibly in the future being confined to a a cubicle and not even actually realizing what they're missing out on because virtual reality uh, presents itself as a panorama of the universe. Well, we have a rehearsal of that, even though it wasn't virtual reality in the Son of Sam days, but we had a reversal of that in terms of how the media conspires to create that suffocating hermetically sealed type of uh, world before we ever even enter it into virtual reality. It's been, as far as I'm concerned, a preparation process, which in my book I marked from the Rosicrucian age of the 17th century on up to now. And it has been largely successful and largely having accomplished its goals. And that's where that inevitabilism comes in. But this is also where we have to realize that these people are serving negativity. They're serving the opposite of love. And therefore, they're really at a disadvantage when you think of those things. And so it's up to us with our free will to do something about it in a meaningful way. And pattern detection, uh, as far as expanding our consciousness in these terms, would be part of it.
0: What do you mean by a black Jack progression from 2001 to 2021. That's a 20-year span. Of course, in the card game blackjack, the object is to hit 21. What is significant to you about 2001 to 2021, and why do you refer to the date 2001 as the, quote, the gateway year?
1: Because I think that that's when it became so obvious uh, where we entered fully into the revelation of the method in terms of having a passport of one of the uh, alleged hijackers float down from the sky and land in the enormous pile of rubble and then be fished out by the uh, authorities and to be able to declare, oh yes, that's the identity of this hijacker. And many other cases of that, for example, the uh, uh, what is the fate of the plane in Pennsylvania where you can't even find the parts of the plane where it allegedly crashed there, as uh, David Ray Griffin and other uh, fine researchers who've gone into detail here have pointed out. This is much more talking about mythology um, Uh, This is much more a myth than an actual event in terms of how we explain it, how we deal with it. And so for me, from 1963 and the Kennedy assassination to 2001, you can see the innocence of the American people fading more and more and a hard edge coming in there um, as they become more and more cynical about the fact that they've been cheated by the government that they earlier had faith in and had hope in. And then 2001 comes along, and it had been more or less predicted by the Project for a New American Century, which was the neocon conspiracy to create a second Pearl Harbor, by which they were hoping they could militarize the United States government, create a police state in America, and then own the Middle East. And a lot of leftists said that the war in Iraq, you know, uh, no war for oil. I thought that was such a juvenile uh, analysis because it was a war to make the Israelis secure Saddam Hussein was was like Iran independent of the uh, co-optation of the various uh, Arab tyrannies Iran is not Arab but but uh, obviously uh, Saddam Hussein was uh, the co-optation of those regimes in order to uh, to cooperate with the Israeli oppression and subjugation of the Palestinians so that was because the neocons Heavily oriented towards the Israeli Zionist project, so all of these things relating back to this occult that we're talking about in the Twenty One Gateway, all of these things were fingerprints. They were. They were even more than that. Uh, they were out there, and there were books written, and there were podcasts, and and there were speakers. David Ray Griffin traveled the whole country. Uh, Stephen Jones, the physicist from uh, Brigham Young University, who did a marvelous analysis of uh, the controlled demolition at the uh, Twin Towers. So here we are entered into this 2001 gateway, this 21 uh, blackjack game. And then I waited 20 years. So I wrote Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. It was published prior to the 9-11 attacks. And I said that this was going to be the year that America would be changed forever. And then I waited 20 years to accumulate more information. And if the information wasn't extant, then I wouldn't have written twilight language this year. But what I notice is in terms of this alchemical processing, that one of the things that the cryptocracy depends on is our amnesia. As they dumb us down, it's an attack on our willpower. It's an attack on our awareness. And it's an attack on our memory. And they have the confidence, because they're high-risk gamblers, that even though there were many features of their conspiracy in 9-11 that would give them away if there was a healthy population to actually do something about it, they felt that as the longer they got away with it, it would come to an omega point, and we're there in 2021, where it would largely uh, become encapsulated by mythology, by legend, and enter a realm like the Kennedy assassination has, is, yeah, Oswald wasn't alone, you know, but who really did it? Was it the FBI? Was it the John Birch Society? Was it the CIA? You know, pretty soon people get the idea that everybody killed Kennedy, and that creates a kind of ennui and despair and uh, shoulder-shrugging indifference. Well, 2021, uh, AOC, Ocasio-Cortez, attends a multi-million-dollar plutocratic cocktail party uh, where she famously wore an expensive gown that said, eat the rich on the back of it. And, you know, the right wing went after her for that and the left wing sort of had a muted response. But um, being neither left wing nor right wing, what I noticed about it was it took place after the September 11th anniversary, the 20th anniversary this huge gala was held not far from ground zero where the towers came down and all those thousands of Americans were killed. And to the best of my knowledge, there wasn't one acknowledgement of the 9-11 massacre at that cocktail party. It was all forgotten. And this is symptomatic of having entered this gateway and seeing all of the aspects of the occult control mechanism if you want to call it um, information warfare or cognitive warfare, all coming to this omega point where it bears fruition in terms of this fairly incredible cynicism and loss of investment in a passionate concern for those Americans who died on that day. And uh, that, that has the hallmarks of this game that were being played. They continue to take risks. The uh, the Highway 91 Harvest Massacre in Las Vegas. Uh, do we really believe that that gambler perpetrator? There's nothing in his background or whatsoever. His father lived a charmed life as a, as someone who was virtually immune from from receiving the federal penalties he should have. His dad was a, uh, a career criminal who had the strange immunity around him. And I investigate that at length. I don't think I can do justice to the case of the Las Vegas massacre and our interview here now. But my point is that I believe it's fairly transparent that it wasn't this man alone or even this man, because I think they just shot him and then, and then put his fingerprints on the guns and weapons. And the fact that it happened, and very few people have noted this, as a sacrifice, if indeed it was a mass sacrifice, in front of the pomps and props of ancient Egypt, which has formed such an important part of my book, uh, Twilight Language. The words of power really were pioneered in ancient Egypt, that concept. But there, there, these country and Western fans are massacred in front of a hotel which features pyramids and the pagan deities of Egypt. And again, you know, Tucker Carlson went out for one day to investigate and you know, other people have done some DVDs, and I don't know if a book has been written about it. I have an extensive study of it in my Twilight Language book. But again, it's starting to just enter into this shoulder-shrugging. Well, you know, it's not really kosher. There's something wrong with it, but what are you going to do?
0: I'm speaking with independent scholar, author, and researcher Michael Hoffman. Today's show, Gateway 21 in the Occult Imperium. I'm Bonnie Faulkner this is guns and butter
1: And what I say in my book is that's a product of the generation of awe in this blackjack game where you're in awe of a fantastically virtuoso gambler and we've gotten to the point where we're in awe of these fantastically virtuoso occult manipulators who continually succeed by daring, by gambling because, True investigator when Don Bowles and there's two Don Bowles, I guess one's a pop figure of some kind, but Don Bowles, the Arizona uh, reporter who investigated the mafia networks uh, that were there, Kemper Marley's mafia networks, loosely connected to Barry Goldwater. he was bombed in his cars and as he was dying he gave a few clues about who killed him. Uh, at least a hundred reporters from all over America to their credit descended on on Arizona to investigate the killing of Don Bowles. Rightly so. That didn't happen in Las Vegas. It's you the know, same thing with some of these school shootings, like the one at the Margaret Stoneman School in Florida, which stinks to high heaven, in terms of another shooter being seen there in military gear who was not this um, pharmacologically controlled individual, pathetic individual, who the crime has been pinned on. Even a little bit of independent forensic and investigative uh, inquiry here, backed by significant financial and other types of resources, would come to very different conclusions, and we're not seeing that. So the gamble is put out there. It's a high-stakes gamble, truth or consequences, but the consequences are not really being delivered to The conspirators even as they thumb their noses at us by becoming so brazen in these conspiracies so you know the movie 2001 was done and it's not it's not particularly symbolic except for that monolith uh and it's called an odyssey Kubrick called it a 2001 odyssey and it's all centered on a mysterious monolith largely what did we see in 2020 Prior to the debut of the uh, finale, to me, the beginning of the finale of the Black Jack Gateway, uh, where the doors are completely opened, and we saw a monolith uh, all of a sudden discovered uh, by a, a flight crew, a helicopter flight crew, near Moab, Utah, and the whole world's at group mind attention was focused on that monolith, and it was a precursor to the year 2021, So it was like repeating the image that we had from the movie, the 60s movie, 2001. Then we have the 9-11 attacks in the actual year of 2001. And then this monolith sprouts up and we're ushered into 2021. For me, as a pattern detector, I'm seeing a gigantic black mass ritual. If you've ever been to the Tridentine Catholic Mass, which I regard as benign and not malignant, One of the teaching aspects of that is seeing how every single gesture of the priest in that mass has significance. And the black mass, the mirror or reverse of that, is is just as detailed, just as significant. And we're missing a great deal of that as we're taken through this uh, enormous process, which is ultimately, I think, uh, the deadliest form of psychological warfare and mind control that's been inflicted on humanity in the West.
0: You write that. Quote: Half of occult ritual consists in mockery of we the people, we who are processors, consider morons richly deserving of contempt and exploitation. I am reminded of the Las Vegas shootings, which you brought up. There was a group of survivors of that shooting who would have reunions. And this is uh, quite a few years ago. I read in the news that one of their reunions was at a bar in the San Fernando Valley region of Los Angeles. And when they were there, a shooter showed up and started shooting at them. My reaction was, well, the perpetrators have a sense of humor.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them at all. The mockery, there was actually an institutionalized form of that when Sir Francis Dashwood Ah, uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer in Great Britain formed the Hellfire Club in 18th-century England, and that was largely dedicated to the mockery of uh, the Untermenschen, if you want. You know Nietzsche's idea of a uh, subhuman, and then he posited that with the Ubermensch, uh, the Overman or Superman, as it's sometimes called, and. Uh, The people who are trying to control us through a leftist facade, they certainly regard us as uh, not particularly human. Look at Hillary Clinton's comment on the uh, working class as deplorables. And we have many other examples of that, of uh, redneck humanity in America, hillbilly humanity in America being dismissed. There was a recent article in the left-wing magazine Jacobin In uh, reaction to the victory of uh, Youngkin in the gubernatorial race in Virginia, where they said, you know, if we're going to advance working class ideology and win with the working class, we need bread and butter issues and avoiding these uh, racial and gender issues, which the working class is not really into. And that was an important affirmation of uh, the significance and the worthiness of the working class people themselves, whose uh, whose priorities may be different from those that are imposed on intellectuals by academia and others who want to signify along with the intellectual and academic elite. And may, you know, many working class people could care less. You know, they would tell them to go to you know where. So yes, mockery, but certainly making fun of the people, uh, the common people, uh, the people who possess what Thomas Jefferson, for all his flaws in the Declaration of Independence, declared to be the imago dei. In other words, we are God's image-bearing creatures, and our dignity comes from that. Our rights come from that. They're not bequeathed to us by any government, and therefore no government can take them away from us. Because we are image-bearing creatures, we have this dignity, and the occult mitigates against that completely. And so, when you don't respond, and we've been speaking about this eerie indifference, they have this tremendous contempt for us as patsies, as people who deserve the fate that they get. And we saw that not only in the uh, pranks that the, the very cruel, sadistic pranks that the Hellfire Club would play on unsuspecting individuals, but also let's go up a hundred uh, years later to the Jack the Ripper killings, where. Like Dealey Plaza, you have those women being sacrificed on nodal points in London, significant to uh, Freemasonry, such as Miter Square, which for me and others like Stephen Knight and his Jack the Ripper, The Final Solution, a book that's often been traduced by uh, his rivals in trying to get to the root of that. But I continue to recommend that book highly. And uh, there they were killed, some of them in Miter Square, which the word miter has has uh, a, a great deal of significance in Freemasonry. The uh, entrails of the women tossed over their shoulders, which is what happens to those who have violated uh, Masonic oaths. And then the writing on the wall here uh, to mock the victims, the Jewes, J-U-W-E-S, will not be blamed for nothing in this. It had nothing to do with Jews. The Jewes are those three unworthy craftsmen who were the assassins All in Masonic mythology of the architect of the Temple of Solomon, who I believe and Mr. Downard believe cropped up as symbol images in the JFK assassination with the widely reproduced image of those three hobos who were arrested, held and then released all the files lost on them. The same thing with this Jewish thing, a clear Masonic signal as to who was behind those killings. And then erased on the orders of Sir Charles Warren, who would later on become one of the founders of Zionism, having been, as the Masons are very important in the rise of uh, the Zionist state, having been an architect uh, searching out uh, the um, archaeological findings in Jerusalem. And one uh, one of the areas that he excavated is to this day known as Warren's Tunnel. There's so much tied into here. And now uh, the mockery of us nowadays is it's actually it's become overt. I mean, that we're just I, I myself am a white person from the working class, and I don't think that uh, working class whites should be targeted or denigrated any more than uh, the black working class or, you know, any other group of people. And yet there's open season on that particular class to disparage them and to call them deplorables and to use stereotypes and caricatures is very harmful. But in general, whether you're black, white, Spanish American, Asian or whatever, in general, if you're not inside the elite, uh, this two-tiered lawgiver system that we have in America, they have contempt for you. And you know maybe after a while as we continue to be smacked in the face by these obvious occult sacrifices and murders and even if you don't accept the occult premise then highly uh, anomalous and fraught with difficulty lone nut explanations for killings that are much more involved than any lone nut so called could pull off so yeah you know, it's a it's a real issue this uh, This uh, demeaning of us, uh, this mockery, you know, it's it's definitely part of the occult, definitely.
0: You referred to a remark that Elon Musk made about Silicon Valley. It was quite foreboding. What did he say?
1: He said that he thought by the middle of this decade, the the monster of digitalization, robotization, uh, would emerge and things were going to get weird. Uh, Now, I'm paraphrasing there. The exact statement is in the Twilight Language book, but um, that's an accurate paraphrase. And he didn't want to connote that it necessarily meant the end or that we would lose our autonomy or sovereignty as human beings able to act. But he wanted to acknowledge uh, that this tiptoe through the tulips utopian view of uh, digitalization and AI, artificial intelligence, Uh, had a very dark side to it. And uh, it was an interview with Maureen Dowd of the New York Times uh, last year when he made that uh, revelation of his uh, profound concern. But he's probably the highest level technocrat in that same uh, realm as Bill Gates and uh, Zuckerberg and others to actually be very candid in issuing a warning like that. And not very many people, once again, really picked up on it. And I thought that it was very interesting that he would say that and another one of the alarms to us that we should really be aware of.
0: You write that, quote, the unprecedented apathy we are witnessing serves as consent for the hell on earth that has been scripted and needlessly imposed upon us as, quote, the future, like it or not.
1: Well, sure. I mean, when people are, t- when criminals are telling you, when we're in the extraordinary, unprecedented situation of criminals actually telling us what they're doing to us, because that's, that's a very powerful form of mind control. When you tell your victim uh, what your next uh, attack is going to be and the victim does nothing, then, you know, quite naturally, what, what do we expect is going to happen? We're going to have this, uh, this control system on steroids and we're going to have this apathy induced in us. And so it's our, our failure to not only react, but to become proactive, to become creative in how we will offer an alternative scenario for how the future will be. Rather than succumbing to, and science fiction has served this in many respects, creating uh, being seated by agents of the cryptocracy who would put forth a future view, which was then actually adopted. And people had been conditioned through their affinity for science fiction to accepting this saying, oh, yeah, that's the trend. Uh, yes, it's certainly part of that uh, attack on, on our, our humanity. Michael Hoffman, thank you very much. Thank you, Bonnie, uh, for affording me this opportunity.
0: Been speaking with Michael Hoffman. Today's show has been Gateway 21 and the Occult Imperium. Michael Hoffman is an independent scholar, New York native, and former reporter for the New York Bureau of the Associated Press. He studied under Faz Abu Jabir at the State University of New York at Oswego. He is the author of ten books, including Twilight Language, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare. The Occult Renaissance Church of Rome, and Usury in Christendom, The Mortal Sin That Was and Now Is Not. Michael Hoffman's books are available through his website at revisionisthistory.org. That's revisionisthistory.org. Guns and Butter is produced by Bonnie Faulkner, Mako, and Tony Rango. Visit us at gunsandbutter.org to listen to past programs, comment on shows, or join our email list to receive our newsletter that includes recent shows and updates. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. Follow us on Twitter at GNV Radio. If you seek, then you shall find that we all come from the divine. You dig what I'm saying? Now if you take heed to the words of wisdom that are written.